Welcome to the Green and Growing Podcast with Sarah Nurswick and Hannah Wedger. The mission of Green and Growing Education is to empower agriculture teachers to find fulfillment through connection and community that will really cultivate confidence. Get hyped for new ideas, inspiration, motivation, and candid conversations with agriculture teachers just like you. Let's Let's go. If growth is expected, then change is necessary. Just read that in a book by John Maxwell, and it reminds me that if we want to grow, we have to change and do something different. And there is a way for you guys to feel that growth through learning new things which will change your way of thinking. Germinate Virtual Conference is back again this summer in July and we wanted you to be the first to know that registration opens up in May. Exclusive Pass opens up on May 3rd and will close May 7th and regular registration will open up on May 15th. But right now, you can go over to the Green and Growing website and grab an administrator email. We've typed up an email for you to just enter your name in there and send off to your administration to see if they would be willing to pay your way into the growth that you are looking for. So head over to the website. We can't wait to welcome you to Germinate this summer. Hello, everybody. I am super tickled to be here and to talk about a topic that is very important to me. More than anything in my career, I think has given me the most power and confidence in how I approach everyday conversations. So to start off, when you hear crucial conversations, when you hear that term, crucial conversations, drop in the chat for me, what do you think of when you hear crucial conversations? important but scary, funding, conflict, something that needs to be said. This is all so good. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Those are all crucial conversations or topics of crucial conversations. More importantly, those topics are being discussed with certain people. So maybe this is a colleague that has said something offensive. Maybe it is a superior that um, you're struggling to follow their lead. Maybe it's a student or more oftentimes than not, it's a family member or a significant other that isn't holding up their end of a commitment. Those are all types of crucial conversations and they all would encompass the topics that you guys are putting in the chat. Before we go any further, everything that I'm going to be sharing is from this book, um, Crucial Conversations by Patterson and others. When I was in corporate America, and leading teams and managing people, crucial conversations was critical to my success. And so I spent a lot of time in workshops over crucial conversations. So just want to plug that and I'll share this um, later to make sure that if you care to read it, that you can check it out. So crucial conversations have three main components, opposing opinions, strong emotions and high stakes. Why are the stakes high? Well, that's because we typically have relationships with these people. We're not having critical conversations with somebody in the Walmart parking lot 
we're having critical conversations with our FFA president's mom. We're having critical conversations with our sister. We're having critical conversations with our principal. We have relationships with those people. We're going to see them again tomorrow. We're gonna to have to work with them again in a week. And so that is why the stakes are high. So we have three options. We can avoid it. We can face it and handle it poorly, or we can face it and handle it well, which that's what we want. We want to handle these well because of three important things. One, crucial conversations will improve your career. Crucial conversations will improve your organizations and they'll improve our relationships. And I know that's what I want. I guarantee all of these things you guys threw in the chat, that's what you want too. So let's talk about how we do that. So the crucial conversations model is broke down in this way. There's a before, a during, and an after. Before the crucial conversation takes place, that's all about you, working on you first, getting unstuck, starting with your heart, and mastering your story. During the conversation, I really focus on this outer ring that says safety. And so if it is safe, then to one side, you have you and your path. And to the other side, you have everyone else's path. If it's safe, you're gonna to get to this pool of shared meaning and that's the goal. And then finally, after the conversation is who is going to do what, when are they going to do it? So who, what, when is critical for after the conversation. Some tools. It's important that you stay in dialogue. Dialogue is a free flowing conversation between two or more people. When I think about what dialogue is not, it's really easy for me because I think about the things that I don't like, right? I don't like when I get the silent treatment. I don't like if I think somebody is being sarcastic instead of being black and white. So avoid those things. Instead, what we should do before having a crucial conversation is making sure that you start with your heart. And you do that by staying focused on your goal. What do you want for yourself? What do you want for others? What do you ultimately want for this relationship? And that should guide how you're going to stay in dialogue. Dialogue is not decision-making. Decision-making, we previously learned from Hannah, is like exit instructions. So when we're at the front of a classroom and we are teaching and we are, we're telling students this is what's going to happen next, that's decision-making saying this is our to-do list, that's decision-making. Dialogue should not be decision-making. And if it feels that way, then you aren't safe. So the beginning and the end of crucial conversations are where that dialogue is at the greatest risk. And it's because we have to make sure we create safety before we start talking. And then we need to clarify the conclusion. So let's focus on safety next. How do we make it safe? Well, I think of respect like air. Uh, you don't really think much about respect until it's gone and then it's all you can think about. If you ever unfortunately have been in a situation where you can't catch your breath, like all of a sudden air is all you can think of about. Like I can't get any air. Respect is the same way. And if you enter a conversation and both parties can't agree on a mutual purpose, that conversation is going to be in trouble. People rarely become defensive about what you're saying. People become defensive because of why they think you're saying it. So when safety is at risk, 
we need to step back and there's a couple strategies. The first is to apologize. And I think that we currently reside in a culture where apologies get thrown around flippantly. And I'll hear students even say that like, sorry, sorry, time out. Don't offer the apology, especially during a crucial conversation, unless it's sincere. And how can we know that? How can we know if the apology is sincere? Well, I really break it down to, it's gotta be a change of heart. So either you really have taken the time to become aware of the other party's feelings and emotions and understood their path, and it caused you to feel something different. And so if you can express that empathy, then you can offer a truly sympathetic apology. The next strategy is to contrast to fix misunderstandings. Patterson and others in the Crucial Conversations book, they talk about it as a don't do strategy, meaning that first you have to address concerns. And so addressing a concern of an opposing opinion is typically that the concern is that you don't or you aren't doing something. And then you need to confirm respect. So what you do, I'm gonna give you an example. You're preparing a um, FFA CDE team. And so the team is getting ready. And at some point you say to them, you guys aren't ready for this contest. Well, what 16 year olds hear is Callahan doesn't care that I've been coming to practice. Callahan doesn't care that I missed my date. Callahan doesn't care that I was late for my mom's number one dinner. And so then they're texting mom. And so then what does mom do? Mom calls you and says, what, what is this that you don't care that my kids have been practicing? That's not what happened. So here's how you can use some word choices to address that. The don't would simply be to address the concern head on. So you know that this concern exists. The concern is that the students think you don't value the time they've been practicing. So you might say something that sounds like, the last thing I wanted to do was communicate that I don't value your time. The last thing I wanted to do was communicate that I don't value your time. And then confirm respect. So you are going to let them know you respect them by saying, I think your work has been nothing short of spectacular. If you ever feel like safety is at risk, step out of content, rebuild respect, and then once it feels safe again, then you can step back into content. But we won't ever get to that pool of shared meaning unless we all feel safe. Master your stories. This is what I believe to be the true like meat and potatoes of crucial conversations. It is this specific learning this lesson in the first workshop that I went to that was like light bulb moment and has empowered me to feel completely different about many, many situations. Others do not make you mad. You make you mad. Let me tell you a story. So um, I team rope for those of you that don't know that I'm a, I'm a wannabe team roper. And what that looks like is like a, a doubles tennis, right? So you wouldn't go to a tennis tournament without your partner. So in team roping, you would not go enter the team roping without someone that you're gonna interrupt with. So I have a dear friend, her name's Bethany, and we've roped together for a long time. Well, I'm a planner and Bethany does not drive her own truck and trailer. So we often have to make arrangements like who's picking Bethany up, how are we getting there, et cetera. So the beginning of the week, I'm messaging Bethany because we're planning on going to this roping on a Saturday. And she doesn't text me back. Not a big deal. The girl's busy. I get it. 
So the next day I'm like, just going to remind her like, Hey, touch and base again. She doesn't text me back. So now I call her, leave her a voicemail, trying to make plans. <clears throat> Another 24 hours go by. So I text her again. She ghosts me. So I pick up the phone and I call. She sent me to voicemail, straight to voicemail. She doesn't want to rope with me anymore. She doesn't want to rope with me and doesn't want to talk to me. And now I have no idea what to do with myself. So I call my sister and I'm like, what, like, what do I, what do I do? She won't answer my phone calls. She doesn't want to rope with me anymore. My sister says, well, did you not realize what happened at dinner? And I'm like, I, I don't know what happened at dinner. She said she was giving you the stink eye. Okay. So now this girl has been mad at me for like three weeks and I had no idea. Well, by Saturday I'm fighting mad. Like I'm ready to punch her. I've never punched anybody. I was going to punch this girl. So we get to the rope and and her rig pulls up and I go walking over and I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Her dad gets out. She is nowhere to be found. So I say, where's Bethany? And he goes, shoot, Kendra, I meant to call you a couple days ago. I said, why? What's wrong? He tells me Bethany dropped her phone in the toilet last Saturday. And today is the first that her and her mom have been able to go get her a new one. You guys, she was not mad at me. She wasn't mad at me. She didn't have a phone. She didn't have a phone. When that happens, like I let all of this, these things build up this emotion. And then I was acting on those emotions when really we have to stop, check ourselves. Like, am I still in dialogue? And then here's where it's at. Fact versus story. So what are the facts? What factual evidence do I have to support the emotions I'm feeling? I texted Bethany. I called Bethany. Bethany did not text me back. Bethany did not call me back. That's it. Those are the facts. Stink guy at dinner that she doesn't want to rope with me anymore. Those were all stories. Those were stories I made up in my own head to support what was happening. But the fact was I texted her and she didn't respond. We hear that with kids all the time, right? Like I've been texting Daniel, we're hanging out. Then he ghosted me. He's going to break up with me. No girl, his mama took his phone. He's grounded. Calm down. You can have a conversation about it later. So fact versus story. So critical and so good. Tell the whole story, turn victims into actors. Like take ownership of what is your role in the problem because we all are playing a part. We just need to acknowledge what role that might be. Turn villains into humans. Why would a reasonable, rational and decent person do what this person is doing? This fall, I had a formal observation and 24 hours beforehand, I get an email, not happening, rescheduled. Immediately, I think what? I think oh, they don't think I'm ready. No, no, the fact is they emailed you, they have to reschedule. That's it, that's a fact. Don't allow yourself to go there because they are a reasonable, rational and decent person. They have a reason for, for what they chose to do. Turn the helpless into the able. And this boils down this yellow piece here at the bottom. What would I do right now if I really wanted these results? That comes back to our focus. Remember, we have to stay focused on our heart, our goals. What do I want for myself? What do I want for others? What do I want for this relationship? So how do we do this? By stating our path. Remember to get to the pool of shared meaning. We've got both paths coming. Share your facts, facts versus story. Ask for others' paths. 
So how did they also get to this point of opposing opinion? How do you do that? You do that by talking tentatively and encouraging testing. This encouraging testing is really critical and it's about not being a parrot, but truly listening and then asking for clarification. Um, I don't know about any of you, but when I get in an argument with my spouse and I say, you're not even listening to me. And then he will regurgitate like verbatim the last four words I said, oh, it infuriates me. Cause I think, well, yeah, you can repeat like a parrot what I just said to you, but do you actually understand me? So encouraging testing sounds something like this. So I wanna make sure I'm hearing you correctly. You got here about noon. You went to open the door, but it wasn't unlocked. But you've been asked to make sure the meeting started promptly at 12.15, is that right? So you are clarifying the very facts that they gave you, not the story, not you were fighting mad by the time you got to the door. No, the facts and then encourage them to test that out. Like have them, you're right, I did get here at noon, the door was locked. So in conclusion, when stakes are high, opinions vary and emotions run strong, but remind yourself to stay in dialogue, keep it safe, and always identify the facts versus the stories. Thank you so much for letting me share with you this evening. You loved this recording of our virtual coffee specialist teacher. Do I have a treat for you? Just this month, April 2021, we launched the virtual coffee portal. That is a website that contains everything that virtual coffee has to provide the links to join the zoom call the recordings the secretary's notes all in one place for you if you want to get in on the portal it's for anybody anybody can get in there go over to our instagram bio at green and growing edu and you can find the link right there just fill out the form and you are in